Hey friends, I'm Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud. I'm the host of the new podcast, Commotion. If you don't know about us yet, well, we are your daily deep dive into the biggest stories coming out of the world of pop culture, art, and entertainment. And luckily, I'm not going to be doing it alone, okay? I'll be joined by some brilliant culture writers and thoughtful super fans. We're going to have hilarious hot takes. We're going to have vibrant debates. Consider this your invitation to join the group chat. Get in here and join us. Commotion, available weekdays on CBC Listen. This is a CBC Podcast. Jaffa is the Yoruba word for running away or escaping. And it's a word that's taken on a life of its own in Nigeria in recent years. It started gaining traction with this song from 2018. It's by Naira Marley, this really popular British Nigerian artist, and he's singing about running away from the cops. Now, the word is widely used to talk about emigration. It's slang that sums up the desire a lot of young Nigerians have to leave their country for good. If you look up Japa on Twitter and TikTok, you'll find so many videos of Nigerians counting down the days before they leave. If you decide to Japa, here are three things that will make your Japanese easier and more successful. This ongoing exodus of young people from the country is the backdrop of Nigeria's most recent election last Saturday. Ruling party candidate Bola Tinubu has been declared president-elect, but the main opposition parties say the whole thing was rigged and needs to be scrapped. Nigeria has a very young population. 70% of people are under 30 and they registered in record numbers to vote. A lot of these younger voters had pinned their hopes on opposition candidate Peter Obi to fix a myriad of issues, from corruption to broken infrastructure to a lack of employment opportunities. Nothing works in this country. There is no security. There is no good hospitals. There's neither good roads. Nothing works. The educational system is in shambles. And for once, youth are coming out to vote. And we have been... Many of them have been waiting on the outcome of this election to decide whether to stay or go. This week on the show, we're going to get into why so many young Nigerians are so deeply frustrated with their country, how that galvanized them in this election, and what their exodus could mean for Nigeria's future. I'm Tamara Kandaker, and you're listening to Nothing is Foreign. Serial Aliameke is a Peter Obi supporter who's been thinking about leaving Nigeria. Hey, Serial, it's great to talk to you. Same here. Thank you so much. So, Serial, I know a lot of people in Nigeria grow up with the ambition of moving abroad for exposure or experience with the idea of maybe coming back. But I've been reading about this election and how in recent years, this has become way more common. And it's become more about getting out because of how bad things have gotten in the country. 
So is this something that you or people you know have been thinking about? Yeah, of course. Of course. Like, I, I can say for a fact that in the last two years, I've had a lot of my friends leave. A lot. And by a lot, I mean a lot. So it's, you know, all these things were born, born out from um, the fact that people want to have a better life. But in recent times, it's just been more about, you know, trying to escape the system over here. System of subjugation. I love my country. I do not like to speak bad about my country. I like, you know, because I, I, Nigerians are great people. If you have friends that are Nigerians, you would know that we're great people. You would know that we love our we love our country a lot. We love everything about being Nigerian. But in the last couple of years, let's say like four years, three years ago, it's been toxic, and it's it's born out of insecurity. Um, problems with transportation, problems with healthcare, problems with education. So everyone just wants to go somewhere where they believe that it's better there and they can have a better life and they don't have to complain about the basics of life. Keyword, the basics. There's also been polling done on this and there was a report in 2021 from the African polling unit that said 70% of Nigerians would leave if they had the means, which is a pretty staggering stat. I want to get a sense of why this is happening and you touched on some of the reasons, but I want to zoom in on on your experience. So, you mentioned insecurity. Do you feel unsafe right now in Nigeria? Right now? Yes, I do. I haven't traveled home. I haven't because I'm from Delta State, from the Niger Delta. You know, I, I know a lot of people have heard about the Niger Delta, and I haven't traveled home in two years. Wow. One of the reasons why I haven't gone home is because, you know, the, the, I, I work, I have a job, but apart from that, you have situations whereby you're traveling on the road and you have attacks from gunmen and attacks from kidnappers, and they take you and they, they, they start asking for ridiculous sums of monies from their family. Security analysts say abductions have become part of a thriving industry benefiting armed gangs and other criminals. Banditry and kidnapping in Nigeria have become a lucrative business, much more than the oil business. We've been having a, a, a crisis in Nigeria for a while where flight um, air travel prices, they haven't just doubled, they've tripled over a number of years. So because I want to go see my family and I want to be safe making that trip, I would have to, you know, do I have to spend money that I should use to take care of myself? No, I wouldn't do that. I would opt to go by road. And going by road is not safe. It is really dangerous. There also seems to be a lot of frustration about general dysfunction in the institutions. Can you give me an example of something that you've experienced that illustrates that? Yeah, sure. We have healthcare issues, you know. Like when I was in uni, I lost my best friend. Um, that was about 20, sometime in 2015. I, I lost one of my best friends. Why? Because he had an accident. 30 minutes or 45 minutes into the journey. And I didn't know, but we didn't hear about it until he had died. 
Why? Because there was no emergency service that could get to him on time. This accident happened by 12 noon and you were hearing by 6 p.m. that as soon as they were entering the hospital by 6 p.m., he, he, he took his last breath. If, if someone had told me or if I had gotten a call, I would have gone there and I would have saved him myself, taking him to the hospital and taking him to maybe five other hospitals. Probably he would have been here now, but he's gone. And what can I say about it? We can only say, there's a saying we have in Nigeria here. They will say, Nigeria happened to you. And Nigeria happened to my friend. It did. Yeah. I'm so sorry. That's really, that's really rough. I've heard about the healthcare system issues that's come up a lot in the research that I did for this episode. Over half of the 72,000 doctors that are registered with the Medical and Dental Council of Nigeria actually practice outside of the country. And so it seems like this issue of people trying to leave Nigeria is having an effect on the healthcare system. Definitely. Like we've had a lot of our best minds leave Nigeria, like our best brains, you know. You have situations whereby they are not being they're not being paid. And meanwhile, our members of the House of Senate, our senators are getting paid, our legislators are getting paid, our governors, our presidents, our our government officials are getting paid. And you of you find out a situation whereby people that are in essential services like the doctors, the nurses, the teachers, they go months and they don't get paid. And you expect those people to show up at work the next day and still be happy about it and go about their normal business like nothing happened. Oh, I'm going to do Nigeria a great service of just showing up to work the next day without getting paid. I don't think it works like that in every, anywhere in the world. I know a lot of young people also want to leave because of a lack of opportunities, even for people who are educated. It, does that align with what you've seen? Of course, definitely, because um, I've had friends who finished uni since 2015 until now they have no jobs. You know, they, they, never got, um, they never got a corporate job. They never got an offer from any company. They, all they had to do was go out on their own to survive, you know, create, start up a, a small-scale business or start up something that they, has now been sustainable for them till this point. That's why a lot of people want to leave. What is it about living abroad that seems appealing? I think for, I would, I would say for a lot of Nigerians, apart from the, or a lot of Africans, apart from the fact that there's a better life there, like you just feel like the life expectancy, you know, something happens to you, you can get healthcare, something um, you can travel easily without the fear of getting kidnapped. Uh, when you're insecure, you can call the cops and, you know, they just they just show up. Like, a lot of people just want to be somewhere that works. They want to be in a society that is working. Like, that is the most important thing. Like, if the society is working today, a lot of Nigerians will come back to Nigeria. Yeah, you're not asking for a lot. You're just asking for... We're not your... asking for... And, and, and do you know the funny thing? Nigerians are actually not asking for a lot. Nigerians are not saying we understand that you're a government official. Don't steal money when you get there. No, we're not saying that because we know it's in Nigeria. It's an African problem. We are saying when you get there, make sure that you are able to do 90% of what the people expect you to do 
And maybe we will just turn a blind eye to the remaining 10% of the money that you stole. But we don't get it. We get a situation whereby they do only 20% of what they are supposed to do. Sometimes 10 or sometimes 5% and they are stealing 95%. I can hear how frustrated you are and, and I feel you. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of people are frustrated. A lot of people are feeling this way because we love our country. We do not want to need. This is the only country we have. Even if I move to Canada tomorrow, I have family here. So I must come back and see my family. So... But when you're there and things are not working here, you will still be, your mind will still be back at home and you'll be thinking like, what's happening with my mom or what's happening with my dad? is one of many young Nigerians who's fed up with trying to navigate day-to-day life in the country. You can hear them speaking out online in footage of protests that swept the country in 2020. They've also made their views known in this election, with more young people registering to vote than ever before. I wanted to understand their political power, So I reached out to David Hundayan, a Nigerian journalist who's been following the election from the UK. For the first time in, just certainly in my lifetime, you suddenly had this groundswell of interest in the political process. And a lot of that, the vast majority of that, in fact, was driven by the participation of under 30 who um, were driven in very large part by the fallout of the NSARS protest movement because that was where all of this actually began. What started off as a protest against police brutality has widened to calls for change in the status quo and inequality. We the poor we are suffering. We can't have to hit three main square. We are doing our process. Nobody was all of a sudden you had not just uh, young people who were suddenly interested in in um, in voting or taking part in elections. We're also starting to engage, you know, with policy decisions, with with the National Assembly, with their representatives, which is very important, with their governors. And now you have this candidate, Peter Obi, who, with a campaign that took maybe, it started maybe less than, less than 12 months ago. And in that time, you know, he has actually beaten that, you know, that political incumbency in Lagos. It's difficult to exaggerate just how important and how seismic the involvement of, you know, under 30s or even under under 25s has been in in this particular electoral cycle. Certainly, in my lifetime, I've never seen anything like this before. It's very exciting. It's also a little bit scary. But I think, you know, more of this, please. This all started in museums and galleries. Now it's in classrooms, in country towns. This should not be here. It's a human being in a box. This is the stuff of empires. There is a great betrayal. We're not slaves, we're African. It's the stuff the British stole. I just don't believe that. It just does not stand up. From ABC Australia and CBC Podcasts, 
six brand new podcast episodes for free worldwide, available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. So young people actually did come out and participate in this election, which is a really big deal. And I want to talk about how we got to this point, because for a while there wasn't this widespread desire for people to want to leave the country. The narrative was Africa's rising, the population's young, people were excited about the possibility of Nigeria, people were moving back to Nigeria. But then President Mohamedou Buhari came into power in 2015, and the economy really started to tank. He introduced capital controls and policies to keep the currency artificially high. He closed the land borders on trade. And by the time we got to maybe 2017, 2018, it was already clear that there's a problem. We're not, for the first time in what, for the first time in my lifetime, I was born in 1990. I'd never experienced a recession in Nigeria before. The first time I ever experienced it was in 2016. There was just like a mix of, you know, other unfortunate coincidences at the time. There was a security problem that started to explode as well, especially in the northern parts of Nigeria. So there was just this perfect storm of terrible policy decisions, unfortunate events, bad news. And basically the entire investment sentiment around Nigeria at the time just completely changed. And then you have Ansars, which was a protest movement that started in 2020. And just very briefly, could you remind us what it was about at the beginning? So um, it was a protest about police brutality. Now, there's a police unit in Nigeria called SARS, that's uh, S-A-R-S, Special Anti-Robbery Squad. The SARS unit was set up to be different from regular police units because they were they were given extra training. They were more militarized. They were sort of like the G.I. Joes of Nigerian police, right? But the problem is when you give people that kind of power and you make them less accountable than other people, of course, they're going to misuse it. So basically, they, they did all sorts of extrajudicial um, stuff like, you know, execution, all sorts of things. And they got away with this for decades. In 2017, um, again, all of this, um, the reason this became an issue on, on the Internet um, mirrors the, the rise of cheap and high-speed Internet uh, connectivity in Nigeria. Statistically, most people in Nigeria only came online over the past 10 to 12 years. So people were discussing these things more. So it started off as a Twitter hashtag called NSARS. Yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't realize that the rise of internet use had so much to do with the rise of that movement. Um, and so it, it galvanized, obviously, thousands of people. And that police unit was eventually disbanded. But the protests didn't really stop, right? What, what did the movement evolve into and what did, what did it become about over time? As soon as um, the president announced that the SARS unit has been, had been disbanded and whatnot, you would expect that everyone should have been like, okay, job done, let's go home. But that's not what happened. Instead, people stayed on the streets and kept demanding for more. That no, you know, we want this and we want that. Uh, we've, we feel like we've been cheated in this country, blah, blah, blah. Buhari should step down. You know, somebody calling for the president to step down. And I, what I saw was that for the first time in my lifetime, my generation was feeling some kind of ownership over their own country and were actually making demands of their government. They weren't asking politely or lamenting about it or praying about it in church. They were, they were demanding, you know, like it was their rights, which it is, you know.
spent some time talking to our other guest about, you know, some of the frustrations that he and his friends feel and, you know, all the reasons behind why people are so motivated to leave right now if the election doesn't go their way. But based on a lot of what I've seen out there and the conversation I had with Cyril, a big source of frustration for people seems to be the corruption, which leads to people feeling like they have no choice but to leave because they feel like change is unlikely. And I wonder, can you help me understand what corruption looks like in Nigeria? That's a very big ask because um, it's um, basically woven into the fabric of pretty much everything. So um, asking me to describe what corruption looks like is like in Nigeria, it's like asking me to describe what the air looks like. It's just a fact of life. I can give you a personal anecdote. Um, In 2017, I, I watched my dad die. So he was having a, a stroke, a, a survivable stroke, by the way. He was 66. You know, I called an ambulance and we kept waiting and waiting and he just didn't show up. And he died when it was time to sort of do an inquest and find out why exactly did this publicly funded service not function the way it was supposed to. We are taxpayers. Like, what is the problem here? And it came down to there was no petrol in the ambulance. Why was there no petrol in the ambulance? Was like wasn't um, the petrol allowance requisitioned for that week? Yes, it was requisitioned. Okay, so how come in between the requisition and actually putting the petrol into the ambulance, what happened? Nobody knows. That's corruption. The ambulance eventually did show up after he died and told us, um, unfortunately, we're, we're not allowed to carry dead bodies. So then I had to look for a private service that was willing to carry carry corpse. And then I got to the hospital, we got to the morgue, and the attendant told me, oh, we can't take the body in because it doesn't have a death certificate. And I'm like, okay, so what do you want me to do? Like, am I supposed to, like, carry my dad's body around in a car and, you know, drive around Lagos looking for a doctor to issue a death certificate? Like, what do you mean by that? I was like, okay, but I can help you. And he issued me basically a forged death certificate. Like, I can't call it a forgery because it was an actual, an original, like, document, but it was... He just basically issued it like through the back door. And then I paid him some money, basically, under the table to do that so that I could get my dad's body accepted into a morgue. So basically, twice in the space of one day, corruption had had killed my dad and then had insulted him one last time. That's awful. The other person that we spoke to also had a very similar story and his friend also died because of... Uh, a very similar situation. So I think that kind of illustrates that this can have life or death consequences. So right now, 70% of the country's population is under 30, but more than half of them say that they want to leave. So what would it mean for Nigeria if we do see a mass exodus of young people from the country? If there is a mass exodus, chances are no one, no one is going to notice because there's just there's like there's, there's a conveyor belt that just keeps on replacing them. In fact, the current minister of, of labor has expressed a similar thought publicly over the, sometime in the past three years where he was asked that what is, what how does he intend to solve the problem of medical brain drain that soon there won't even be enough like highly skilled 
experienced medical professionals in Nigeria to even train the next generation of doctors and medical personnel. And what he basically said was something to the effect of, we have so many people, there will always be more, basically. Oh, wow. Take it or leave it. Like, we don't, we don't need you. Like, we can, you can be replaced at any time because there's just that many of you. So you are, you are dispensable. So unfortunately, Nigeria doesn't see brain drain as a problem. To an extent, it is already happening. So, for example, a lot of um, Nigeria's tech talent over the past two years has left the country uh, because the world, obviously, the world outside is hungry for tech talent. So it's already happening. The consequences of this exodus are already being felt. But I guess what you're saying is that people in leadership don't even want to acknowledge that this is a problem. So I want to come back to this election just to wrap up. Whoever the next president is, what do you think he'll have to do to prevent people from leaving? I don't think the right word is prevent. But what the next president could do if he wants to um, incentivize people to remain, that's how I choose to see it. The first priority must be the capital controls, the capital restrictions, for example. Very counterproductive. That's one of those low-hanging fruits. The other low-hanging fruit I can think of is the constant policy direction, which um, which leans toward banning things and introducing, you know, border closures and restrictions and just constant this anti-trade posturing that Buhari has adopted over the past eight years, which has made life a lot unnecessarily difficult for many people. Right, Nigeria isn't going to become a, a, a trading partner with America or with Europe. It, it, it's a lopsided relationship. Realistically, it's only going to be with other African countries. That's how. That's the only way growth is going to happen, right? But you know, we have this sort of isolationist stance and this sort of this really weird kind of exceptionalism, which might sound funny to you, but in Nigeria's own eyes, Nigeria genuinely believes that it's a wealthy country. You know, so it spends money on on all of the wrong things and on none of the important things. Nigeria has a nuclear research agency, you know, and I'm not making that up. You can Google it. Because Nigeria truly and genuinely believes in its self-image that because it happens to possess crude oil reserves, that makes it a rich country, right? So these sort of really weird decisions that the government makes and the refusal to invest in the things it actually needs to invest in are the reasons why professionals end up getting frustrated and they just leave because life is just unnecessarily difficult. Okay, David, thank you so much for, for this conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Our producer is Joyta Shangupta and our sound designer is Graham McDonald. Our senior producer is Elaine Chow. The executive producer of Nothing is Foreign is Nick McCabe-Locos. Special thanks this week to Martine Sassinu Ogun. Nothing is Foreign is a co-production of CBC News and CBC Podcasts. Our theme music is by Joseph Shabison. And before I let you go, if you liked this episode, please take a second to rate and review us wherever you're listening. It really helps new listeners find the show. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CBC Podcasts. 
I'm Tamara Kandacker. Thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you back here next week. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.